Hello, everyone. Welcome to the Ridge Church Podcast. If you'd like to learn more about us, check us out online at theridgechurch.net. Also, be sure to connect with us on Facebook and Twitter. Thanks for listening today. So where are we here, right? So we are, the final day has come, the final Sunday in John. After over a year, um, 63 weeks we have spent uh, in here in the Gospel of John. I just want to I just want to say something. I know that um, some of you maybe not used to going through a book like this verse by verse. Some of you are. Some of you grew up that way. Some of you didn't. Uh, one of the things that we, what I love about it, and I think our elders and our leadership team really ad- likes about how we, how we do this, not that we should always do it this way. There's times like before Christmas we do topical things. And, but that there's 21 chapters in the book of John, the Gospel of John. I don't know how many verses there are. And I can't tell you how many words. I thought about looking all that up, but I didn't think that would impress you. So, But we've read every one of them. We've meditated on them. We've taught on them. The gospel, the word of God, we've not skipped anything. We've not skipped hard things. We've not skipped things that we are just a little confusing, that, that we don't understand exactly. We've read every word. And we've done our best by God's grace to explain it, to, to help you understand it, to help ourselves, Pastor Brian and I and others that have spoke, to be able to confront the word of God and say, what does this say about God? What does this say about who he is? And the Gospel of John has a lot to say about who he is. What does it say about how should we respond to who he is? What does it say how we should live our life? And that's, we want to, every word has been given by God for for us, for his glory. And so um, we'll be ending today in this. And so I hope that it's been a blessing. I hope the Lord has used it to be a blessing to you. Um, I know at times you've probably said, oh, John again. You know, we're in John again. Um, but, you know, whether we're in the Gospel of John, the Gospel of Matthew, whether we're in a Pauline letter, whether we're in some Old Testament uh, book, Um, it doesn't matter. It is the word of God. And so uh, let's rejoice that God has given it to us and let us hang on to every word that he gives us. So here we are, end of John. Jesus has um, come. He's been a man. He's done miracles. People have walked with him and talked with him. And, and they've, the disciples, he's called the disciples to himself. Uh, he's, they're following him. He's went up against the Sanhedrin, the Sadducees, um, now ultimately Pilate because they want him killed. And so they take him to Pilate. He gets crucified. All of this, this incredible several chapters, severe when he's in the upper room uh, with the disciples. He washes their feet. They celebrate the Lord's Supper together. All of these things that take place place. He gets crucified. He gets raised from the dead. He appears to some people. And then we see here in the last chapter, he's dealing with some things about restoring Peter. And we looked at that two weeks ago. He restores Peter because Peter had sinned and denied him. And so Jesus lovingly comes to to Peter and says, Peter, do you love me? And Peter says, yes. And three times he says, well, then feed my sheep or care for my sheep. And he's restoring Peter. He's reminding Peter of his love for Peter and Peter's love for him. He's reminding Peter, Peter, you do love me. Just because you've denied me does not mean that you do not love me. And I would encourage you this morning, are there times that you don't feel a tangible love towards Christ? Are there times that you sin on purpose? Yeah, when you're selfish, you sin on purpose. When you are greedy, you sin on purpose. 
we, we look at things like or what's going on around the world and, and, and maybe things that are happening in Russia and we think, well, I, boy, we're not that way. But that same truth is in us. That same sin is in us at a completely different level by God's grace. We are not there. But some of us have been in different ways. We've hurt people. We've lied. We've stole. We've committed adultery. We've lusted. All of those things. And here he's reminding Peter, Peter, do you love me? That's the most important thing to today is wherever you're at and, and if you're in your walk with Christ, I just to remind you, do you love Christ? Do you love him? Because you can't be good enough to please him. So the question is, do you love him? Do you trust him? And that's really what he was trying to do here with Peter is to restore him in this way. Now, if you notice, I had Steve read the last two verses. We actually covered those two verses a couple weeks ago. And I had him read those because I think that kind of continues to set this up a little bit. But there at the end of, of that really 18 and 19, and, and he talks about following him. He says this, he says, um, at the very end he says, after saying this, he said to him, follow me. So now he's, he's taken Peter um, through all of this stuff, through all his whole life. He, he called Peter originally and he told him to follow him. Now he's taking him through all these things. Peter's denied him and now he's at this place. He's restored Peter, but now the, the call again comes. Peter, follow me. Don't quit. Don't quit, Peter. Follow me. And so that's, that's really what the big idea is for you today. And if you're new, the big idea sometimes that we use, it's this idea, what's the, the overarching theme, what we're going to talk about today? And it's this idea that following, it's about following Jesus. It's all about following Jesus. Uh, at, at the end of the day, if we follow him, we'll be obedient if we follow him. We'll, we'll, we'll love other people if we follow him. The, the idea is we get so caught up in doing things and checking boxes that we forget to follow. If we just follow and, and walk in his footsteps, we will do the things that he wants us to do. We just have to follow. And so we're going to talk a little bit about, we, about what that looks like. And we're going to kind of move pretty quickly here. We have some things at the end of the service I want to do. And, um, so let's just jump in. John chapter 21, verse 19, 18 and 19. Truly, truly, I say to you, when you were young, you used to dress yourself and walk wherever you wanted. But when you are old, you will stretch out your hands and another will dress you and carry you where you do not want to go. He said this to show what kind of death he was going to glorify God. So here what we see is that he's telling Peter that he's going to die for him. Peter, he's saying, Peter, you're, you're going to die for me. And, and really, and that's really kind of a fulfillment to what Peter really said he was willing to do anyway. Because if you go back to the, the Lord's Supper, Peter said, look, I'll, I'll lay down my life for you basically. I will do this. I will go wherever you go. And he's telling Peter now, you will. You will die for me. Now, fortunately for Peter, it's going to be many years from this moment. And so I, I just want to kind of look at a few things about what this following looks like. Because if it's all about following Christ, if, if that really is our life, really is the... the the thing that God asks us to do, then, then why do we follow? How do we follow? And, and believe me, we could spend weeks on that. And we're just gonna, I'm just going to bring a few things out of the text this morning that I think can help us understand why we follow and what does it look like to follow. The first one here is so why do we follow? Is that we follow because Jesus commands us to. right? He tells Peter to follow me. I, originally, in, in the point I had, he invites us to follow him. And as I just began to study scripture, 
That could be an accurate statement, but really Jesus doesn't ask. He commands it. This isn't something like, well, if you want to, you can. I would like you to. No, Jesus says, Peter, follow me. You know, when he, when he calls the disciples, and I'll just read you a couple of those passages, but if you remember in the Gospel of Matthew and there in several of the Gospels, when he's calling the disciples, they're fishermen and, he, and a tax collector, Matthew, and he's calling them. He doesn't say, hey, guys, um, if you're not doing anything, I would invite you to kind of hang out with me. No, he comes to them and says, follow me. That's what the text says. I, I, I wasn't there, but that's what the text says. What do we see this? In Matthew chapter 4, verse 19. He said to them, follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. Not like, hey, if you want to, I've got a good deal here for you. He didn't woo them with anything. He didn't offer something. He said, no, do this, and this is what will happen. But I want you to do this. I want you to follow me. This is what I want. Later in Matthew chapter 9, verse, or chapter, chapter 9, verse 9. It says, as Jesus passed from there, he saw a man called Matthew sitting at the tax collector booth. And he said to him, follow me. Seems like a command to me. You could argue that it was an invitation, but I'm, I'm going to stick with its command. Because I think when God puts a call on us, he's commanding us to follow. We reject that. And you could say, well, it's an invitation because I rejected it. No, you're rejecting the command to follow. Every one of you sitting here today has been commanded to follow Christ. You may reject that command. God has given you the, the, the freedom to do that. But don't miss the fact that he's commanded it. He has told you why you should do it. The whole Gospel of John has laid that out, why you should do it. He's demonstrated who he is through the Gospel of John. He's brought people back from the dead. He's healed people. He's fed people. He's done all sorts of things. And he says, look, follow me. I've given you every reason I can. I've raised from the dead. So follow me. So when we think about it, it's all about following Jesus. The first thing we see here is that Jesus commands us to do it. What's the next thing we kind of also see in that text there a little bit? We follow without regard to our personal life. We follow, hear me on this, we follow without the regard of our personal life. And boy, that seems kind of hard at first. What does that mean, that we do it recklessly? No, no, we follow without any regard to our comfort, to our life, to our how long we're going to live. Notice that he, he lets Peter know that you're going to go places that you do not want to go. And you're going to stretch out your arms and, and you're going to be crucified, Peter. It's basically what he's saying. But then he says, but follow me. Notice that? I mean, he's saying, Peter, I want you to have no regard to your personal life. In that sense, you really, really have to be Peter. You have to be all in for me or you can't be part of me. And today in, in the Christian community and in churches and, and, and around the world, but I, I only know mostly here in, in the United States, I mean, Christianity is boiled down to an event, like I said earlier, on Sunday morning. It is not that. Christ calls us to follow him. He commands us to follow him without regard to our personal life. And that's where many of us get off the ship. I'll come, but on my terms. I, I will come on my terms. Let me know the details of the contract, God. Let me know what it's going to cost me. How long can I live? What's going to be the implications of this? And then I'll let you know whether I will follow or not. 
And so most of us just kind of take the high road and we say, well, I'm going to follow and I'm not really going to ask. I'm just going to do my thing. And I really believe that that's why Jesus says, you know, in, I think it's in Matthew there, you know, many will come to me in the last days and say, Lord, didn't we do these things? Says, I never knew you. Like, you weren't following me. You were doing everything for yourself. You, you were living the life you wanted to live and you just kind of, as one pastor said, we sprinkle a little Jesus on our life and that's good enough. That's not what Jesus calls us to. And I don't want to stand before the Lord one day and say, but, well, Raleigh, you, you did not, you watered it down. You, you, you watered it down to yourself. You watered it down to the congregation that I put you as a shepherd over. You watered it down. And, and I just want to say, no, this is, we, we follow re, without regard to our personal life. What was he said, you're going to die, Peter, for me. Matthew chapter 16, go back in the gospel of Matthew. What do we see here? Matthew chapter 16, 24, it says, then Jesus told his disciples, if anyone would come after me, if anybody would follow me, that's what he's saying, if anybody would come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. So he's, he's given this, this call, but he's saying, look, if you want to do this, this is what's going to be required. There's no question about what's going to be required here. I love it how God is just very clear. Like you go all the way back to the Garden of Eden, and he basically tells Adam, and he says, you eat that tree, you eat from that fruit of that tree, you'll die. There's no question here. I'm not leaving it. And so here is the same kind of principle. Jesus is saying, look, you want to follow me. You want to be my disciple. This is what you're going to have to do. You don't do that, then you're not going to be my disciple. And then you say, what does it mean to take up our cross? And we need to continue to study Scripture. But it means basically having no regard for our life, our personal life. That doesn't mean we don't take care of ourselves. Don't, don't hear that. I'm saying if God calls you to something, then you go with regardless of what he's going to then do when you get there. But if that's where he's calling you to go, if that's what he's calling you to do, if obedience is the most important thing, and you go there and you do that and you're faithful and something happens that's going to curtail your life in some negative way, it doesn't make it wrong that you did that. You were obedient. And that's what we're called to do. And we can see that all over the place. Right? I, I think of even now as we kind of have this, this great thing unfolding, unfortunately, a tragic thing, I should say, unfolding here in, in Russia and Ukraine. And I, and I think about, you know, and, and I don't know these people. We only know what we hear in the 24-hour media blitz and interviews and things. So we have to be very careful with what we say. Oh, this is absolutely this person or that person. And remember, everybody has sinned, so no one is holding any of these people up as, as icons or anything like that. But seemingly... President Zelensky over Ukraine is not regarding his life for the love of his country and his people. Man, that's like Jesus. I mean, and, and I think to myself, man, can you imagine if the church lived that way? Could, could you imagine if, if everybody would, and don't hear, let me finish this before you jump to arm themselves with the gospel? If that's what the church did, if we were all concerned about arming ourselves with the, the armor of the gospel, the helmet of salvation, the breastplate of, of righteousness, the belt buckle of truth, the sword of the spirit, if we did those things, if we made sure that we were armed and ready to go into the world to, to wage war, spiritual war, Christ is the one that wins that, but he calls us to do that. What if we were like the people of Ukraine in the church? Because see, they're following, and you notice, they're following their leader, I believe, because he's showing, demonstrating that type of 
love for them. That's really, in some way, this beautiful picture of, of what Christ has done for us. Obviously, much more glorious what Christ has done for us. He ultimately gives his life. He loves us beyond all things. We don't know. Maybe, maybe President Zelensky will ultimately die, but see, here's the problem with that. President Zelensky dying does nothing for you and me. I mean, it's a, it's a great witness and, and demonstration of his love. Don't get me wrong. I'm, it's a wonderful thing, what he, how they're living and doing. And, 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 but he's basically saying, this is the most important thing, and I'm willing to give my life away for it. And that's really what, what Jesus is telling Peter here. If you love me, Peter, then follow me regardless of what it's going to cost you. And Peter does. And Peter does. Matthew 10, 38. It says, and whoever does not take up his cross and follow me is not worthy of me. So now it's kind of flipped around. It's, it's more in the negative sense. Jesus is just being clear here, though, that he's saying, and whoever does not take up his cross. So I said earlier there, it says, you must deny yourself and take up your cross. But if there's any confusion, you go back to 10, and he says, if you don't take up your cross, you cannot be my disciple. And when you say, well, I can't be his disciple, does that mean I just can't, I can't be one of his? No, you can't be his. You're not part of the flock and, because you, you've chosen not to, to, you've regarded your life as more important than anything else. And man, that just goes so much in the face of our, our Western culture because everything is about us. It's about my self-preservation. It's about my happiness. It's about my retirement. It's about my, my financial position. It's, it's about what my kids are doing. It's about me. It's about me. And it's not about bringing glory to God even if he calls me to lay down my life. Because this is just temporary. That doesn't mean that we do things foolishly. It doesn't mean that we're unwise. Absolutely not. Let's go back to the text here in John 21, verse 20. Peter turned and saw the disciple whom Jesus loved following them. So Jesus and, and Peter are walking here on the beach. We don't know if they've just started to walk. You know, because some, some of the commentators will say he said, follow me. And so what he really meant was that Peter was supposed to follow him here on the beach. And there could have been part of that, but really in the context of this, he's really saying much more than that. So Peter turned and saw the disciple whom Jesus loved following them. So John is kind of walking behind them. The, the, the one who Jesus loves, we believe, is the gospel writer here, John following them, the one who had leaned back against him during the supper and said, Lord, who is it that's going to betray you? So John is just kind of framing up to remind people who he is. Because when they were before the last supper, before Judas denies him, Peter's on one side, and, and, and or John is next to him, and he basically says, John, ask him a question. Because he wasn't sitting next to him. He says, John, ask him, who's the one that's going to betray him? And so John is just kind of declaring he is that person. And he goes on in verse 21, it says, when Peter saw him, he said to Jesus, Lord, what about this man? Now, <laughs> just think about this for a second. You're walking with Jesus. Peter's walking with him. And this is true for many of us. How we're walking with Jesus, and Jesus calls us to something. He calls us to follow him without regard for our personal life. He, that's what he does. And he does that for every one of us. This is not just about Peter. This is a great example and, and written in Scripture. But every one of us is called to follow Christ. It's clear in Scripture. And notice what Peter even does. He looks and he sees John. He says, well, what about that guy? Now, we don't know what was going through Peter's mind here, but let me take a stab maybe at what's possible. Peter's like, okay, I'm going to have to die for you. What about him? 
Like, is he going to have to die for you? I mean, it's not fair, Jesus, if he doesn't have to die and I do. What about this man? Tell me he's going to have to die too because that will make me feel better. Right? How do you think Jesus handles that question? Isn't that true for us? We want to look around and say, what about them? Well, I'm following Jesus. I'm doing this, and boy, I'm having to give my life up. And, but what about them, Lord? What about them? And we all do that. I do it. I mean, I, I want, what about that person? What about that pastor? What about that other man? I, I, don't, I don't want to have to, I mean, I'm suffering here, Lord. What about them? We, sometimes we say that when we get sick and we have health issues and, and we can get bitter if we're not careful and say, God, why would you, why would you bring suffering to me? Think of Job. have time to go into all of that, but Job's response basically end is that you're God and you brought me into the world, you can take me out. Now Job had some turmoils through that process, but at the end of the day he realized who God was. What about him? What about this man? Here's Jesus' response in verse 22. It says, Jesus said to him, if it is my will that he remain until I come, what is that to you? Boy, don't you love that Jesus would tell you that? It's none of your business, Raleigh. I mean, like, it's just none of your business. If, if, and notice that he says remains. In other words, what he's saying here, he's, a, he's validating that Peter's going to die. He says, look, if John remains until I come, in other words, if John doesn't physically die, what is it to you? I've called you to do this. This is what I've called you to do. Don't worry about him. Don't worry about anybody else, Peter. This is what I have for you. Are you going to trust me? I've brought you in, I've saved you, I've, I've made you my own, you're my sheep, now I've called you to do something, now go and do it. So what does he say there? You follow me. <laughs> it's an imperative here. He's saying, you do this. He's being very stern here with Peter, right? It's none of your business, Peter, what I'm going to do with John. I have different purposes for John. I have a purpose for you. Isn't it enough that I have that for you and that I've laid this out, that I've sovereignly, providentially laid out your life and you're going to bring me glory? Isn't that enough, Peter? Let me worry about what I'm going to do with John. Boy, that is, so many of us need to hear that today. Because maybe God has got you in a place and you're asking, why? Why not them? What about them, Lord? Why do I have to suffer? Why do I have to be called into that type of ministry? Why do I have to, to be the witness before these people? This other person, they've got it easy over there. They're with Christians. They, they have a work environment that everybody loves Jesus over there. And I'm a, with a bunch of people that don't love Jesus and, and they're cussing every day. And, and what am I, why do I have to be here to be the witness, to be the light? And I think the Lord says, you just follow me. Just follow me. It's, it's really a simple thing. I mean, I know following's not easy. I'm saying the command, that, that, that what God is asking us is very simple. It's not complicated. It's not like he, he gave us this great um, agenda that we have to, hey, just follow me. It's really simple. We make it complicated. So what do we see here? We follow regardless of what God is doing in others. We follow regardless of what God is doing in others. Because he's, he's doing something different than everybody. And we can't compare ourselves. We want to. I do it. We just, we just can't go there. Look, Peter 
was going to shepherd the church and, and be an example to people and how he's going to shepherd the early church. John was going to probably be, the, we believe, the last living one. He was going to document the whole thing, lay it out, write about it. We're studying here today because God had something for John to live the longest, to document who he was, to write this gospel, right? Here, here's what it is. We look at Luke, and Luke wrote the book of Acts, the whole beginning of the church. That's what was laid before him. We see John the Baptist. He was the go and proclaim the Messiah had come. And then he gets his head cut off. But that's what his role was. That's what he was supposed to do. James was killed very early on. One of the, I believe, the first apostles to be killed. He was also beheaded. So we follow regardless of what God is doing in others. Verse 23. So the saying spread among the brothers that the disciple was not to die. Yet Jesus did not say to him that he was not to die. But it is, if it is my will that he remain until I come, what is that to you? Now, just real quickly, I don't have time to go into all of this. So, so John is trying to set the record straight. A, a rumor had gotten out that John was going to live until the Messiah came back. And John is trying to set that record straight. And you can think about all the reasons why John is trying to do that. John obviously was the last remaining one. And so if people now are looking at John and saying, hey, John's still alive. John's still alive. John's still alive. Man, the Messiah's coming. John's still alive. Right? John's still alive. And John is saying, no, look, you're going to be disappointed when I die because Christ may not come before I die. And so he's trying to quell that in the church and say, don't, don't believe that. That's not what Jesus said. That's really what's happening here. It's very, pretty simple. Right? He was just trying to crush that. So even rumors get started in the early church, right, that are destructive. Verse 24 says, this is the disciple who is bearing witness. Now, John is writing this about himself. It's, it's kind of in a third person here, and, and there's a different commentators that feel differently about this, but I think this is absolutely appropriate that John is writing this way. He says, this is the disciple who's bearing witness about these things and who has written these things, and we know that his testimony is true. So John is saying, it's me, I'm writing it basically, and my testimony is true. And some people get hung up on this idea that says, and we know that his testimony is true. So some people say, well, see, John didn't write that. There's somebody else that wrote that. And I think if you look at 1 John, many places John uses this, this terminology, say we do this, we, we've seen him, we've done these things. It could be that he's, he's just kind of overarchingly saying, we know that this is true. The church knows. The elders know. We, the people, know this. He's writing to a, a, the body of Christ, and he's saying, we know that the testimony is true, right? You know me. I've been with Jesus. I've documented these things. You know that it is true. And so what is the next thing we see about following? We follow because Jesus is who he says he is. We follow because Jesus is who he says he is. The whole gospel of John and we've laid it out over 63 weeks, is Jesus saying, look at what I've done. Look at what I've said. I am who I say I am. If you don't believe me, believe the miracles. Who else can do those? We see Nicodemus come to Jesus at night and say, teacher, we know that you must be from God because nobody can do and say the things you've done unless he is from God. And so John is just saying that, look, 
He's just saying that. And so the reason that we believe Christ, the reason we believe is that we believe it's true. He is who he says he is. Look, today, if, if you're following Christ, it's because you believe who he says he is. Now I guess you're following because you believe that. We, we wouldn't follow somebody that we don't believe is who he says he is. Right? And so we believe it. Now, are there people in the world that follow people that they, be, they believe about them, but it's not true about them? Yes. People lie and make all sorts of things up. I mean, I could go into several other false religions and say, well, this person says this about themselves. And we see millions of people following that person. That doesn't make them right. But the great thing about Christianity and the great thing about Scripture is that Jesus lays it clearly out without any misunderstanding that he has said, no, I'm the only one that can bring people back from the dead. <laughs> I'm the only one that can feed thousands of people. I'm the only one that can heal people and give sight to the blind. I'm the only one. And not only that, the Bible's been written over thousands of years by 35 at least different authors, and it fits together. There's prophecy. I mean, I could go on and on and on. And yet many, even with that, will refuse the command to follow. And that's why I think when we get before God one day, God is going to say, you are without excuse. I have laid this out so much, you're without excuse. And so today, if, if you're resisting that command, you need to soften your heart. You need to let God break your heart. You need to let God break your pride. You, you need to, we'll get to that here in a moment. We follow because he is, Jesus is who he says he is. Verse 25, last part of this verse. Or last verse of John, here it is. And what a way to end this book. Now there are also many things, other things that Jesus did. Were every one of them to be written, I suppose that the world itself could not contain the books that would be written. Wow. That's the, that's the mic drop moment, right? <laughs> he just walks away and says, I want, I want to just, I want you to think about something, though, because now we want to really look at that text. Is he saying everything that Jesus did like in his earthly ministry? It's possible. He did lots of other miracles that we don't aware of and that are not recorded here. But Jesus was before the foundations of the world. He created all things. That's what John starts, right? All things are made through him and by him and for him, right? This is where he started. He's the Word. The Word became flesh. Nothing was created in the world that wasn't made through him. So I think, I think it's deeper than what we maybe see on the surface. I think what John is really saying is if we really documented who he is, the world could not contain it. <laughs> think about that. It's so glorious. The world could not contain it. It cannot contain him. He's eternal. He is the creator of all things. He is the Savior. He is our Lord. He is the Messiah. But he's much more than just our Lord. He's much more than just the Messiah. And so what do we see here? We follow because Jesus is more glorious than we can ever imagine. We just follow because he is glorious. I mean, we don't need to understand everything. His, his, his glory, his, his perfection, his, his kingship, whatever you want to call it, we follow because we're in awe of who he is. We'll never completely understand everything. We will never have, because we're not God. Let, let, let the scripture just overwhelm you. I'm not saying you don't study and you don't dig and you don't ask hard questions, but I, I will tell you that if you do that, the scripture will overwhelm you because it is true. 
Hebrews, the writer of Hebrews chapter 1 verse 3 says, He is the radiance of the glory of God and the exact imprint of his nature. And he upholds the universe by the power or by the word of his power. This is, this is much greater than just a few miracles that Jesus did in his life over a three-year ministry. It's much greater than turning water into wine and raising Lazarus from the dead. Don't, don't stop there. That's just scratching the surface, the surface of the glory and the majesty of Christ. We see when we read Revelations, we get a much bigger picture of that, the glimpse of who he is, right? The Lion of Judah. So I want a question for you this morning as we're wrapping up. What is keeping you from following? And I, I could argue this two ways. What is keeping you from following Jesus, like you don't have a relationship with Christ? And I, I'm glad you're here. I'm thrilled you're here. If you don't have a personal relationship, if God has not changed you and given you a heart of flesh yet, and, and you've not surrendered to that, that call yet, you, you, you may be here because you feel the command to follow, and you haven't made that decision yet. So what's keeping you from that? And then for those of us who, have, who are following, we're not following perfectly, are we? Right? We, we follow when we want to follow, and then when it's inconvenient to follow, we don't follow, and then we get back and we follow some more. And that's just our walk. That, that's true for all of us. Um, no one's going to follow perfectly. God is sanctifying us through this process. We're growing, and, and that's just who we are. Right? But what is keeping you from following? I'm going to go through these very quickly. And these are just a, a, a few of the things that the Scripture would say that, that I would say is possible, things that are obstacles to us following. Money and possessions keep us from following, right? Jesus said to him, Matthew chapter 19, verse 21, Jesus said to him, if you would be perfect, go and sell what you possess and give it to the poor, and you will have treasure in heaven. Come and follow me. Now, he's talking to the rich young ruler here. Rich young ruler says, I've done everything. And so Jesus says, okay, go and sell everything you have and come follow me. And he goes away sad. There's lots of meaning in that, that picture there, that thing that happened, but one of the things I think Jesus is pointing out is he's holding on to the money and possessions. It's keeping him from following. And I will tell you, that's true for us. Money and possessions keep us from following Christ. And, and I just want you to really think that out a little bit. Like, like, you have so many toys that you spend all of your time taking care of your toys. And you're not following and you're not doing anything sinful per se, but you're not following because you're playing with all your stuff. And it takes a lot of time to take care of all your stuff. And so you just get distracted. You're not following because you're working three jobs to have this lifestyle and you're not going to church on Sunday and you're not doing this, you're not reading your Bible, you're not doing these things. And I'm here to beat you up. I'm just saying, I'm just showing you that there's an obstacle there to following. Even if you're a Christ follower, I have obstacles in my life. I would, I would say that I, have, I struggle with that one at times when different things. Next one, world responsibilities. Worldly responsibilities keep us from following. Luke chapter 9, verse 59 and 60. To another he said, follow me. But he said, Lord, let me first go and bury my father. And Jesus said to him, leave the dead to bury the, their dead. But as for you, go and proclaim the kingdom of God. So he has this thing for this guy. Now, is he saying, 
he needs to go back and bury his dad. Now, if you read in the, 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 the contextual context of this and the historical context, basically what he's saying, his dad's not dead probably. He's saying, look, I, I need to take care of my father. I need to live until he dies, get his inheritance. But in time, I'll follow. Any of us there? I'll do that when I'm retired. Like, once I get there, I'll make time for church. Oh, when the kids get out of playing so many sports, man, Sundays are booked right now, Lord. But I'll get there when that's over. That's what he's talking about. Anybody in that category? Anybody struggle with those things? Human relationships. goes on there in verse 61 and 62. Yet another said, I will follow you, Lord. But let me first say farewell to those at my home. Jesus said to him, no one who puts his hand to the plow and looks back is fit for the kingdom of God. Relationships. I need to get that right. and I need to work this out first. And, and so I want to talk to these people and I want to see what they say about this. And will, will my spouse think that giving my life to Christ and going to church and doing all that religious stuff, is that really important? I mean, and no, we don't. We go back, and what happens is we get sucked right back in there. Like, how many of you have, like, been to church, maybe in your, your walk, and you've been to church, and you feel the Lord calling, and you go back home, and then you never come back? I've been there. I was there for years. Human relationships keep us from following. John 12, verse 26 unwillingness to serve. If anyone serves me, this is Jesus talking, he must follow me. And where I am, there will be my servant also. If anyone serves me, my father will honor him. Unwillingness to serve. Unwillingness to yield to the, to the direction of Christ. He said, look, if you're going to follow me, you're, you're going to serve me. You're, you're going to be part of the kingdom. You're going to, but how many people like I don't want to serve. I just want to show up on Sunday and like get my hour and 15 minutes of Jesus and check my box and have the event and hear some good music and tolerate the speaker and then I can go home. No, that's not what Jesus calls us to. He calls us to serve. Do you know that we're always looking for people in the nursery? We're always looking for people to teach our children. We're always looking for godly people to teach life groups. We're always looking for people to mentor other couples. We're always looking. I mean, there's so much. The fields are white for the harvest, but the laborers are few. But you can follow me. Yes, serve. Last one. 1 Peter 2.21. We don't follow because we don't want to suffer. We don't want to suffer. For to this you have been called, because Christ also suffered for you, leaving you as an example so that you might follow in his steps. We don't want to suffer. So if I have to, now what does that mean? It means like if I have to suffer, if I have to like step out and, and like suffer some some negative comments from people about me loving Jesus. So I have to suffer a relationship that may be broken just because I love Jesus. Not because you've done anything wrong. It's just because you've loved Christ. And that is out there, I can tell you. Well, I don't want to do that. I don't want to break the relationship. I don't want to suffer in any way. I don't want to lose that job. I mean, this is important. Just look, if you don't want to suffer for me, you're not going to follow me. 
When he says, pick up your cross and follow me, believe me, in the first century, they knew what picking up the cross meant. They knew what that terminology meant. It was a life of suffering, potential suffering. And Jesus is saying, look, if you're not willing to suffer for me, then you're not of me. Because really, if you trust me, you know it. And look at what, we go back to Peter here again. He says, Peter, you're going to die of crucifixion, but follow me. And he does. And look, today, some 2,000 years later, we are talking about Peter, amen? About his faithfulness. Not that he was the Messiah. Not that he's perfect in any way. In fact, we see he denied Christ. We're talking about him because he followed in the spite of persecution, in spite of willingness to die. So what's your next step? Answer the call to follow. Because the call has been put out. He's, he's asked every one of us to follow. Now we may, may need to read and study, but he's asked every one of us to follow. John chapter 10, verse 27, my sheep hear my voice and I know them. And what do they do? They follow bow with me in prayer. Father, today is we remember. Lord, we come and first we confess you as Lord, creator of all things, sovereign over all things. Lord, we know that we are a sinful people, yet while we are not as sinful as others, we all have sin in our heart, Father. And for all of us, it'll come out some point today, maybe before we even leave the church here today. It'll be some small way, and we'll rationalize it. We'll justify it. We'll compare it to someone else's. Father, the truth is we are guilty of sinning against you, against our friends, our neighbors, our family. But Father, you came and you lived a righteous, holy life a life that we cannot live. You've given us the breastplate of righteousness, as Paul says, to cover us, to give us a righteousness that we do not have and that we can never obtain outside of you. And Father, then you laid down your life. You died. You shed your blood so that we could be forgiven, so that you could appease the just wrath of the Father. It is right to judge sin and you stood in our place and took our penalty and father as Paul talks about the helmet of helmet of salvation father when we trust in that we can wear the helmet of salvation it protects the truth of the gospel our mind we understand we come to salvation we understand it father you've made us a new creation we understand that you've died in our place so father we praise you this morning Father, as we end our service together today, Lord, I thank you for the body of Christ. I thank you for this local church. I thank you that they're willing to come and gather. We should never give up gathering. So, Father, I praise you for all of that. Help us to follow. Give us faith. Give us courage. Help us to support one another and love one another. And as we follow, help us just to, to admonish one another to live holy before you. Not perfect, but striving for that. Not self-righteous, but humble. 
and mostly just trusting and resting in Christ and the grace that comes from you. May you be forever praised because you alone are glorious. You're more than we can ever imagine. To you be the praise this morning, Father. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. Thanks again for joining us today. If you have questions about this message or about the Ridge Church, you can contact us at info at theridgechurch.net. Have a blessed day.